you are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On NBA Season Preview. I'm Doug Branson, a producer here at Locked On and a guest host on Locked On Hornets. I will be your guide as we skip across the country division by division, previewing all 30 NBA teams with the help of our local experts. Plus, Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball will give you waiver wire additions to help your fantasy team Chad Ford of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast is profiling the rookies to watch in each division, and rejecting the screen will predict the future. In this episode, we're looking in-depth at the Central Division, home to the top team in the Eastern Conference last season, the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks fans right now are celebrating a rare occurrence in today's NBA, a team that drafts and retains an MVP talent. Here's Locked On Bucks to celebrate. What's up, everyone? Kane Pittman here, host of Locked on Bucks, as we are just days away from the start of the 2021 regular season. We can hardly really believe it, as anyone can, that basketball is here already, and it is a huge season for the Milwaukee Bucks. Two years in a row, the best record in the NBA during the regular season. They have fallen short. They have failed in the postseason, first against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then against Miami in the second round earlier this year in the bubble in what feels like a a lifetime ago now, even though it was only a couple months ago. So the biggest storyline heading into the season for the Bucs is exactly that. Can they get over the hump in the postseason? Now, until recently, the biggest storyline was by far the Giannis extension. And the fact that he has signed the five-year Supermax, the richest deal in NBA history, $228 million, releases the pressure valve on this team significantly. This was going to be a dark shadow that hung over this team if he didn't sign that extension. He's done that. He's happy now. The Bucs are happy now, and they can relax, and they can work into this regular season with a roster that has really been overhauled. They've had some big additions to the team, none bigger than Drew Holiday, who will start at the guard position for the Bucs, but the bench has been changed big time. Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, Tory Craig, among others that have joined this team. And that means that it might take a little bit of time for this team to get acclimated with each other and build that chemistry that they had right out of the gate last season. Best case scenario and what needs to happen for the Bucs to achieve the best case scenario of reaching the NBA finals is they need to work on adjustments. So we've heard from Mike Budenholzer, we've heard from Giannis, we've heard from the other players about lessons learned in the past. And the Bucs have really struggled in, with their half-court offense in the postseason when the game slows down a little bit and Giannis is unable to find the freedom to get to the paint. Now, this isn't all on Giannis. The Bucs have been horrific shooting the threes in the series against Toronto and Miami where they were in the low 30s and actually just below 30% combined across those two series. That's not going to cut it. So they need to... Uh, they have needed to address that shooting. GM John Horse said b- before free agency, he was looking for shooters that would translate to the postseason. With Drew Holiday, Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, they've got guys that can shoot at a higher level than the guys that they've replaced. So we will see whether that translates to better run offense with guys like Drew Holiday and DJ Augustine who can run the pick and roll and can run a half-court offense. Time will tell. What would lead to the worst-case scenario for me I think, again, we go back to adjustments. Bud has said specifically defensively that the Bucs will need to drift away from their 
typical drop coverage in the pick and roll that they've been steadfast and regimented in doing for the last two seasons. It served them well during the regular season, the number one defense in the league across 2018-19 and 2019-20. But across a seven-game series, they've failed to adjust when they've needed to. They've got the guys that can switch. They've got the guys that can do different things. You can play Giannis at the five. Is Mark Budenholzer going to be willing to do that during the regular season so this team is prepared for the postseason? If he does that, they may avoid the worst-case scenario of not reaching the NBA Finals. Player whose career tra- trajectory is impacted most this season, for me, it is going to be, again, Drew Holiday. Because this guy has come to the Bucks, he's been on a Pelicans team and always been looked as one of those guys that is one of the more underrated players across the league. Well, now he comes to a winner. Now he comes to a team that is expected to contend, a team that is favorite to get out of the East. So Drew Holiday is carrying the burden. He was asked about whether he, how he feels about carrying the pressure of seeing to be the missing piece in this Bucks team. He said, if you can't handle the pressure, you probably shouldn't be in this business. So Drew Holiday comes in with the expectations of being the guy that can alter the trajectory for this team. So uh, Drew Holiday, a massive season for him. I think the Bucks should be the favorite to get out of the East. I didn't see any other team in the East that got... Uh, made the improvements necessary to see them jump ahead of the Bucks. I expect Milwaukee to be a top seed again, even though it is going to be an uncertain season with coronavirus and all the other things, the shortened season, the different schedule. We will see some different things, but I think the Bucks again, should be expected to be the favorite coming into the season. A couple of predictions I have for the Bucks: Drew Holiday, again, I think he's going to be an all-star. We saw the last couple of seasons that Eric Bledsoe was really, you could almost say an all-star snub. He was right on the fringe. I think, I, I think that for him this year, coming to this team, his numbers are going to be fantastic. He's going to have uh, the impact defensively that we all expect. And if the Bucs continue to have a really strong team, that he is going to get a lot of the credit for that. But the other prediction I have is Giannis, again, is going to be the defensive player of the year. I do not think that he can win the MVP third year in a row uh, because I just don't think the voting will go that way no matter what he does. But his impact defensively will be the same. They will play him more at the five. I think Giannis is going back-to-back as the defensive player of the year. And with the adjustments that they've all spoken about, I think you will see a different-look Milwaukee team come playoff time. But we can't wait. As I said, the whole city of Milwaukee is feeling like the pressure has been released with this Giannis Supermax extension. And now it's full steam ahead to the 2021 season starting in Boston next week. You can catch me, Kane Pittman, on the Locked On Bucks podcast Monday to Friday right throughout the season as we bring you all the news, reviews, scores, and of course, every little Giannis highlight we can bring you. We do that. I look forward to you joining me along for the ride. We'll catch you guys then. Few teams were as active in the truncated offseason than the Detroit Pistons. They did a lot of things, but did they do enough to get back to the playoffs? Here's Locked On Pistons with a preview. What is happening? This is Matt Shook from Locked On Pistons trying to see how the reboot of a once-proud franchise goes here in Southeast Michigan. The biggest storyline by far this season with the Pistons is that new general manager Troy Weaver comes in from Oklahoma City and is not shy at all. He's made wholesale changes at the assembly line 
in the Motor City for Coach Dwayne Casey. It's been an unconventional rebuild, one that's been panned across the media, including on this podcast right here. Not pure asset plays. Uh, he's been criticized, Troy Weaver has, for dumping guys and not getting much value for them. The stretching of contracts of Zaire Smith and Dwayne Dedman was a curious move at the beginning of a rebuild. But this is a general manager who is set on remaking the culture in a huge way as quickly as possible and getting the ship turned in the right direction, although we don't expect much progress in the win-loss record in year one of his tenure. The best-case scenario is that Blake Griffin comes back this year and looks something close to the Blake Griffin from two years ago, coming off of about a calendar year of rehab, returning to 2018 form when he was an All-NBA player and uh, enjoying another strong recovery from a major injury. It's probably the best-case scenario that he plays well and that Derrick Rose has a season like he did last year and that the Pistons franchise can get something for these guys at the trade deadline, though with Blake Griffin's huge contract – Moving that at midseason might be a tough ask for Weaver, and that might be more of a next offseason kind of priority for this franchise. Of course, the worst-case scenario is that the remnants of this proud franchise continue to smolder and continue to lose steam with a fan base that's uh, pretty much forgotten about this team here in Michigan. The promised changes in culture that Troy Weaver brings, the newfound toughness that it looks like a lot of these guys have, if that doesn't materialize and this is just a whole shuffling of the deck, and that this is not anything that brings excitement, brings Detroit toughness, and brings Detroit defense, is something that would be a huge disappointment for ownership and this fan base. There's some Detroit DNA types of players in this group, but however, they did trade away their best defensive player in Bruce Brown. And although they added Jeremy Grant, who has a strong resume as a defensive player in this league, they're also asking him to do a lot offensively, so being the same type of defender he was in Denver is definitely a tall ask. If the Pistons made all these changes and continue to be the same non-energy, boring team with a lack of toughness, they might be losing whatever few fans are left here in the Detroit fan base. Offensively for Dwayne Casey's team, it's going to be completely different than it was last season, most prominently because the guys with the ball in their hands will be two of them uh, primarily completely different players. As Blake Griffin is pretty much a new face here because he wasn't here last year out with the injuries. There's also a lot of rumblings that rookie point guard Killian Hayes, the seventh pick out of France, is going to get big minutes and possibly even start this season. So what he's able to do in his first year in the red, white, and blue will dictate a lot about how watchable this offense will be early on in his tenure with Detroit. Defensively, this is going to be a team that looks very much completely different than they did in the past. They're going to be very long, very active, very switchable, all sorts of wingspan all over the court. And that's completely different than the last several seasons. Last several years, you had traditional big guys like Andre Drummond down there, and then you had guys in the backcourt who looked like guards. Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, Langston Galloway, the prototypical size of old-school guards. Now the guards are longer, the big men are longer, and all those wings, they're long, switchable players that you see more in the modern NBA. But not a lot of guys with great defensive resumes, though, other than Jeremy Grant. Just speaking of Grant some more, he is the player on this team whose career will be impacted most by what happens this season. He's hoping that his career at 26 is moving out of that defensive specialist and role player phase and into something more. He's getting $20 million a year on a three-year deal from Troy Weaver, and he's hoping that that means he's something more 
than a great role player and something more like a team leader and a team building block for this franchise. We'll see how he handles it after playing supporting piece to Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic the last couple of years for the Denver Nuggets. The Pistons overall, I think this is a bottom five team in the NBA. They have a ceiling of getting into the bottom of the play-in tournament, but that's mostly because the Eastern Conference is still the Eastern Conference. But all that being said, too many things have to go right for that to happen and for this team to even be in anything that would be considered a playoff race, even in the Eastern Conference. The prediction here is that they're going to be spending a lot of time uh, here on Locked on Pistons talking about the 2021 NBA draft class and prospects that are going to be building blocks for the future because barring something completely unforeseen, this Detroit Pistons team is headed back to the lottery for another couple of years, looking towards the future after middling somewhere in the middle class over this last several years with not much of a ceiling. Hopefully better days are ahead, but it's going to be some pain in the first part of Troy Weaver's tenure as general manager of the Detroit Pistons. But this is Matt Shook of Locked on Pistons. Thanks for listening and enjoy the NBA season. Coming up, we preview a team looking to new management for old glory, a team that just wants to be wanted by its star player, and a team with a crowded young backcourt. Bulls, Pacers, and Cavaliers up next. But first, I want to tell you about Build Bar. Build Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and they've got an improved Build Bar that's even deliciouser, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And here's the best part. Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or lady. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet as well. My wife loves these. They're my post-run snack. Check them out. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On, all one word. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And try that cookies and cream bar. Mm, it's good. Hi, guys. Josh Lloyd here. Just looking at some waiver wire players for your fantasy basketball league that might be available in the central division. The Chicago Bulls, most of their value is going to be really concentrated into their starting lineup. But Thomas Sadoransky, who's likely going to come off the bench behind Kobe White, can be a really strong option for assists. He did see a big dip in his efficiency last year, but in the past, he's been a strong three-point shooter as well. And as a guard that can come in and play next to Kobe and next to Zach Levine, I think he's going to get some pretty strong minutes as the Bulls' sixth man for most of the season. And those assist numbers that he can provide off the waiver wire can be really valuable. In Milwaukee, I don't think this guy should be on the waiver wire, but Dante DiVincenzo might slip through. He's got a real chance to be the starting two on this team. He was unbelievably good last year for all his advanced metrics and his defensive stats. His ability to get steals is going to be really important. I think he can slide into that Wes Matthews role this season. And DiVincenzo, if he is on your wave, why he's absolutely a target for me. For the Pistons, I think that Killian Hayes is going to get drafted in most leagues. But if he isn't, he's an automatic snap-up. He, he should be on every single roster. We should be not on any waiver wires anyway. But if he is, you grab him. Derek Rose is still going to put up his minutes and his numbers in those limited minutes, the 25 to 27 minutes that he plays. He's still going to be useful. But I think probably the most interesting one here is Mason Plumley, who should go into the season as the starting center. 
He's not particularly exciting. We know it's not a great contract, but for fantasy, he'll play the most minutes at center. He'll get some rebounds. He'll block some shots. He'll have a good high field goal percentage, and that can be of use just sitting there on that waiver wire. Um, and then look, depending on what happens, if Blake Griffin goes down, you might look at someone like Sekou Dumbaya, who might step into that starting power forward or small forward role, shifting Jeremy Grant across. Of course, Grant should be rostered in all fantasy basketball leagues already, but there is so many unknowns. And the other guy there for Detroit, who probably is going to be the starting two, would be DeLon Wright, a guy that generates steals and gets assists and hits some threes. Reunited with his former coach, Dwayne Casey, another great option there off the waiver wire. In Cleveland, I think if Darius Garland goes undrafted, I'd be snapping him up. He's going to be the starting point guard. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He wasn't great last year, but it's so hard to find a a point guard in fantasy off the waiver wire, so that's why Garland shouldn't be sitting out there. And then Kevin Porter Jr. Now, there is still competition for minutes there at the three with Chetty Osman, with Isaac Okoro. Porter's probably better suited to being a two-guard, and of course, Colin Sexton is entrenched there, but they're going to get Porter his minutes. If he can push towards 30, he's going to be useful. Uh, Just a name to sort of watch there, coming off the waiver wire for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that does it for the uh, NBA's Central Division in the Eastern Conference. Thank you very much, Josh. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Fantasy Basketball throughout the season. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. The Chicago Bulls finally got rid of an old guard. Not on the court, but in the front office. With new management, is the future any brighter in Chi-Town? Here's the team at Locked On Bulls with a preview. What's up, Locked On Podcast Network listeners? This is Jordan Malley from Locked On Bulls. Along with me is Matt Peck. We are your local experts on the Chicago Bulls and here to give you guys a little bit of a preview about what our Bulls team is going to look like. Matt, the biggest and most important question I think to start off with is the biggest storyline heading into the Bulls season. What what do you take away as the biggest headline for this Bulls team as we approach the regular season in a couple of weeks? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation and Locked On Nation? Uh, to me, it's simple. Is the overhaul of a uh, long overdue exit of a front office and the dismissal of Jim Boylan and the hiring of Billy Donovan enough for a big change in a team that finished last season 20 games under 500 and largely returned the exact same roster. A very young roster, second youngest roster in the league last season. Uh, headlined, of course, by Zach Levine and his scoring prowess, but no all-stars and a lot of work to be done with this young roster. I think one of the biggest storylines for this team heading into this year is going to be the question about Zach Levine long-term. What do the Bulls do with Zach Levine? Do they find a trade partner to move him to a contending team? Do they see Zach Levine as a fit long-term? I think that's going to be one of the biggest question marks about this team headed into the trade deadline and potentially even into the offseason. Matt, let's talk a little bit about what the best-case scenario for this team is heading into this year. I personally believe that the best case scenario is that this team plays well enough, is competing in every single game, that Zach Levine takes another step ahead, Lowry Markinen takes another step ahead, and you can find yourselves contending anywhere between the 7 and the 10 seed. I think keeping Bulls fans interested, engaged, and wanting to come back every single night to watch this team play will make people more excited about this team. This doesn't necessarily mean the Bulls have to be in the top five or six teams in the Eastern Conference, but being competitive, stay fun, and keep the guys on the floor long-term. And that leads us to the next question of, conversely, what's the worst-case scenario for this Bulls team? And to me, it's pretty clear. Um, If after the 2021 season, all of a sudden the scapegoat Jim Boylan doesn't 
turn out to be the biggest problem and maybe the ceiling of this young roster and the ceiling of some of these young individual players the Bulls have taken in the lottery since the Jimmy Butler trade are not as high as the team and their fan base hoped. Perhaps Lowry Markkinen is just a role player and not a young player with star potential that he hasn't quite tapped into. The same can be said for Wendell Carter Jr. Perhaps we don't see an offensive, uh, you know, overflow um, um, of new layers of Wendell's game that uh, that we were hoping to see last season and didn't. So, you know, the worst case scenario to me is we replace the front office, we replace the head coach, but we still are left saying there's not enough talent on the roster, especially when you consider some of the improvements that were made in the other Eastern Conference teams that are vying to be in that 7-10 to 10 play-in tournament fight. How is the offense and defense going to look different from what it was last season? Offensively, Matt, I think on the surface level, Having Otto Porter come back and, and play more than 10 or 15 games this season, having Lowry Markinen in a role where they can actually use him on both sides of the ball and allowing Zach Levine to capitalize on all of that. Not only that, but implementing some of your veterans into this roster too. I think offensively, we're going to see a lot of a lot more of the Bulls spreading the ball around. You're going to see a lot more mid-range shots and allowing Kobe White and Zach Levine to take advantage of their excellent shooting i'm very excited for the offensive potential of this team next year this season i'm looking forward to a more traditional defensive system for today's nba cut it out with the ridiculous frequency of traps and play some more drop coverage and i think that that could help a player like wendell carter jr we're all excited about wendell as as a potential all defensive team player as he matures in the nba but he was drawn away from the basket far too frequently in Jim Boylan's defense last season. I want to see Wendell be more of a rim protector this season uh, and, and some more drop coverage for some of the other players on this team. With that being said, Matt, we have a, we have a lot of players with this being a critical season for them. The one guy that I see being impacted most, whether it be for the good or the bad, is going to be Lowry Markinen. I think this contract situation-wise, career trajectory-wise, I think this is a very, very critical year for Lowry Markkinen. Although Lowry has said that he's wanted to stay here in Chicago, I still think that the contract looms in the back of his head. And we want him to get back to that pure score that he was in his rookie season. So I think, barring barring any other change on this roster, I think his career trajectory is impacted most. What do you think, uh, Matt? Do you agree with Lowry or do you see a different player being impacted the most? Lowry is, of course, the most obvious answer. As we record this on December 3rd, we're hearing from Lowry and the Bulls front office that they're still trying to get a deal done on a rookie extension, uh, a rookie contract extension before that December 21st deadline. Who knows if that has happened by the time this episode, I believe, is scheduled to air on the Lockdown Network on December 17th. We'll see. Uh, but of course, you know, a guy who saw a lot of his draft class, uh, you know, colleagues sign max extensions to stay with their teams. Lowry's not in that range. So, of course, this is a big year for him. My guess on how this season unfolds for the Bulls, they stay competitive enough to end up in the play in tournament, Matt. I believe that they're going to be somewhere hanging around this group of five or six teams battling for the seven through 10 seed, which I think 
in a spot where the Bulls are at, man, this is awesome. Like, even if the Bulls decide to part ways with Zach Levine or some of the veteran pieces on their roster to to gain assets, I still think they have a great chance to make the play-in tournament. And even if they only win or one or two games and they're bounced out early, getting that playoff experience would be extremely crucial to some of these young players. How do you see the season folding out? I think I'm with you. And I think it might be the the nine or ten seed as opposed to seven or eight because the Bulls will need a lot to go right to make that big of a jump this season compared to last season. And a new coach might not be enough to get it done. We're going to need to see some serious improvement uh, as and, and internal development from this young roster. Coming up much more ahead, we've got Chad Ford telling you which rookies to watch out for in the Central Division. And we have two teams Desperate for a little stability and a lot more winning. The Pacers and Cavaliers up next. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of I Came as a Shadow by John Thompson. I Came as a Shadow is the long-awaited autobiography from Georgetown University's legendary coach, whose life on and off the basketball court threw America's unresolved struggle with racial justice into sharp relief. Chock full of stories and moving beyond mere stats. And what stats? Three Final Fours, four times National Coach of the Year, seven Big East Championships, 97% graduation rate. Thompson's audiobook covers everything from writing Shotgun with Celtics icon Red Auerbach to coaching NBA Hall of Famers like Patrick Ewing and Allen Iverson to Hoya Paranoia. This moving and inspirational audiobook is narrated by Thompson's close friend, Jesse Washington. Buy the audiobook edition of I Came as a Shadow now, wherever audiobooks are sold. I'm Chad Ford, host of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcast, and these are the rookies to watch in the Central Division. We start with the Chicago Bulls, who had the fourth pick in the draft. They swung for the fences and selected Patrick Williams out of Florida State, a guy that only averaged about nine points a game as a freshman for Florida State. But he is the consummate wing player who the Bulls hope can come in and play multiple positions. He's a good athlete. He can shoot the basketball. He can score around the basket. They're hoping that he's going to be able to defend multiple positions on the floor. He's raw. He's a guy who I think is going to be a work in progress. I don't think he's going to necessarily like jump off the box score. But down the road, the Bulls thought after those top three guys were off the board, this was the guy with the highest ceiling of anybody left in the draft. Then we go over to Cleveland, who drafted Isaac Okoro one spot below Patrick Williams, the number five pick in the draft. And this guy... Hands down, the best defensive player in the draft, at least the best defensive player when you're talking about a guy who's going to be able to go out and guard wings. He is a guy who can guard the one, the two, the three, the four, has great strength, is a really good athlete. The question about Okoro is what's going to happen on the offensive end. He had a very shaky jump shot. Uh, he struggled a lot more offensively. Some teams really think he's going to be able to, that that shot's not broken, that he's going to be able to come around. Other teams aren't so sure. The Cavs needed the defense anyway, so I think this was a solid pick uh, for Cleveland at five. And then the Pistons are a team that drafted three players in the top 20 picks in the draft. And so they're going to be a team, if you want to go watch rookies this year, they're going to be a team to watch. It starts with Killian Hayes, the point guard out of France. He actually played in Germany last year, was one of the most improved players in the world, in my opinion. Really confident basketball player who can play both the one and the two. He didn't shoot the ball 
great from three, but he actually has a beautiful form on his jump shot. Shot free throws really well. And I think that he's going to be the franchise guy for them. Isaiah Stewart, big guy out of Washington, kind of a throwback big guy, a little bit of a question mark about how his game fits the next level, but you can't doubt this guy has incredible hustle motor, plays incredibly hard, and he has a freakish plus 10 wingspan. His wingspan is 10 inches longer than his height right now. That is uh, incredible. Um, He's going to be really interesting to see whether all of that hustle and intensity translates to the NBA. And then Sadiq Bey out of Villanova, a guy that many people thought was going to go higher in the first round in the lottery, a guy who is a consummate wing, can guard multiple positions on the floor, can shoot the three. I think this was a really nice pickup uh, for Detroit when they got him as late as they did in the draft. You've been listening to Chad Ford. If you want to find out more about the 2020 NBA draft or the 2021 NBA draft, check out my podcast, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you very much, Chad. The Indiana Pacers weren't satisfied with just making the playoffs, so they decided to fire a winning head coach and hire some young blood. But the question isn't how satisfied are the Pacers, it's how satisfied is Pacers all-star Victor Oladipo. Here's Locked On Pacers with more. Hey guys, my name's Tony East. I host the Locked On Pacers podcast and cover the team for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News here in Indianapolis. And I'm here to talk to you about the upcoming Indiana Pacers season, which is full of interesting storylines to cover. But there's two really biggest ones that open up to me when I talk about the team. One is all about Victor Oladipo, right? There's been questions about his commitment to the team, his future in Indiana, and how good he can really be, right? He wasn't very good last season coming back from his injury. He would like to make a lot of money. How good he can be, how much he can help the team really improve is going to be a massive thing to watch. If he's really good, this team could be awesome. If he is still struggling to recover fully from injury and be the player that he used to be before he ruptured his quad in 2018, uh, then they might not be as good. Uh, But the biggest storyline to me is, Really, how much better can they be, or how can they be better than last year? Because they're returning 13 players from last year's roster, and they went 45 and 28 in their 73 games in a shortened season. That's about a 50 win pace over the course of a full season, right? That's pretty good. If they can re- replicate that, they will likely be a top six seed, avoid the play in tournament, and be really good. But getting to 50 wins or 50 win pace in this shortened season is going to be tough. A lot of the East got better, improved their rosters. The Pacers did not. They made a coaching change. Is that coaching change from Nate McMillan to Nate Bjorkren going to be enough for that team to go from, you know, the 50 win team they were to a mid 50s win team or about a 50 win team? Again, is it going to be enough to cement their status in the Eastern Conference? Because, you know, it's hard to stagnate. They have an all star in Sabonis, they have a bunch of fringe all star level guys. Oladipo's coming back. How can they be better? How can they contend for top spots in the East? Or are they banking on some internal development to be better? That's another big storyline for them. For their best case scenario to hit, where they maybe reach that mid to high 50 win pace range, Victor Oladipo comes in and inserts himself on a team that was already really good last year because they were on 50-something win pace before he even rejoined the team in late January of 2020 prior to COVID hitting. The team was really good. They were they were mid-30 wins already. Uh, or excuse me, low 30 wins already. They were looking like a really good team. They were able to win lots of games without them, right? They beat the Lakers. They beat the Bucks, They beat the Nuggets. They beat all these really good teams. Without Victor Oladipo in the lineup, he came in and they faltered trying to integrate him. But if he can come in and gel and fit the new coaching style perfectly, 
along with the talent they already established they had last year, the team could really take off. They could be really one of the more formidable teams in the East. That's adding basically a fringe all-star level talent into a team that already had a bunch of those guys and an all-star and Sabonis. So their best case scenario is actually pretty high. They could reach as high as, I think, the three or four seed, even though it's more likely they end up around seven. Uh, the worst case scenario, the new coach comes in and, you know, Nate McMillan, for all of his faults in lack of creativity and playoff success, uh, he got the team to play hard and play defense. The worst case scenario, Nate Bjorkren isn't able to instill the defensive principles that have, you know, been a big part of the fabric of the Pacers for so long. It, he, if he can't do that and he can't establish that team on that end, their defense will still be good. They have Miles Turner anchoring things in the back, but maybe not as good as they could be. And, you know, along with that, it's his first time as a head coach. Who knows if he can control the locker room, the Oladipo stuff overhanging the team if his commitment to the team could cause some some ripples in the locker room if all of the new coach if the new coach doesn't work out and isn't able to get everything in control and looking good this team could falter and be a little worse than they were last year right with Oladipo in the lineup they were just over a 500 team I think they went uh like eight and seven uh in in games that he played or he started and something something like that maybe it was seven and seven uh, I don't know that exact number but you know, they, if they're about a 500 team, right? If they, if they sputter and the new coach doesn't work out. So it, it's, they have maybe not a wide variance because it's likely the depot is better as he continues to come off of his injury. But given this, the, the cloud overhanging the team that is his future, a lot could kind of happen with their season. Uh, differently, though, how different will they be offensively and defensively from last year? Probably very different, right? They had Dan Burke, an assistant coach, Lee for Philly. He's kind of been the team's assistant coach that was the defensive coordinator for a long time. Without him, right, they're probably not going to play as much drop coverage. They bring in Nate Bjorkren from Toronto, who was uh, one of the masterminds behind the box and one on Stephen Curry. He's very creative. And on offense, that was something that popped in his interview process. He's a creative guy who can, you know, maybe make the two centers in Sabonis and Turner work together or maybe get some more weak side cutting going on from a team that desperately needs it. I think you're not even going to recognize the Pacers. They've kind of played old-timey. They were last in the league in three-point attempts last year. I think they're going to get up to about league average this year. They're going to look like a totally different team. It's going to be super interesting to see how differently they play on both sides of the ball. And with that, you know, we're going to see a lot of faster pace from the Pacers, which could completely change the trajectory of Aaron Holiday's career, right? He's been a young guard for the Pacers sitting uh, on the bench who can clearly take off at any time for them. He's been one of the successes of their recent drafts. Uh, he could really take off this year. I think he'll thrive in Nate Bjorkman's system. But Miles Turner and Oladipo are two players that – their career trajectories could totally change under Nate Bjorker. And if his creativity can unlock Turner in two center lineups, he could look awesome, right? He's shown flashes of being a great shooter, a great ball handler, and, and he's always been an amazing defender. If Bjorkgren can harness all that talent, he could take Turner to new heights and maybe be another fringe all-star level talent for the Pacers team. And Oladipo, obviously, his career could launch back up to a high point or fall off completely if he you know, cannot get to the level he used to be at thanks to his injury. My best guess on how this Pacers season ends, I think the new coach keeps them about the same level they were last year. I think in their 72 games, they'll probably win about 45-ish if I had to predict. They get the seven seed, win the play-in game, and then struggle in the first round before ultimately losing. But they have some variants to move up or down, so it's going to be very interesting, and we'll cover it all over on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Finally, we go to Cleveland. For many years under LeBron James, it was the path to the NBA Finals in the East. Now the Cavaliers are looking for a path back to a winning record. The team at Locked On Cavaliers tells you how many years away they are from being a year away. Hey, I'm Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. I'm Evan Damerow, Chris Manning's co-host over at Locked On Cavs. 
We're here today to preview the, the two 2020-2021 Cleveland Cavaliers. Evan, why don't you start us off by going through what you think is the biggest storyline heading into this season? Golly, it's just what to expect from Cleveland's young core heading into this season. Like, there's Colin Sexton is going to be extension eligible after this year. We have to figure out what he kind of player he is. Uh, Darius Garland is a little lackluster. Dylan Windler didn't even play. Kevin Porter has a lot of questions both on and off the court. I think that's going to be a huge storyline. And then uh, just a smaller storyline that goes in hand in hand with that is what's going to happen with Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. Uh, figuring out this direction of this Cavaliers team is just those two are the big linchpins on it. But Chris, what do you think would be the what what would need to happen for there to be the best case scenario for this Cavs squad? Whatever that best case scenario is in your mind, whether it's competing for the playing tournament or just taking a big step forward as a franchise. I think it's all about the young guys that you mentioned taking big steps forward. So you need Darius Garland, I think, most notably to take a big step forward and look a lot better and kind of look like a young piece. You need Kevin Porter Jr. to to, to be the best version of himself. Colin Sexton to kind of add something to his game, whether it's defense or creation. Um, and, and I also just think you need buy-in from the vets. I don't think that's a concern for, for Larry Nance, and I don't think it's really a concern for Kevin Love either, but you need to get the best Andre Drummond possible and get a Drummond who's going to kind of cohesively fit in to what the Cavs are, are trying to do here. Um, but and, and you also just need J.B. Bakerstaff to have the right command of all of these different kind of um, energies going on within this organization. Evan, on the flip side, what in your mind would lead to the worst-case scenario? Uh, you actually laid it out for me so i'm just going to drive it home real quick uh andre drummond not buying in what jb vickerstaff is looking for in terms of a player i know jb has really preached defense 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 but andre if you look at some of the advanced stats and metrics isn't the greatest defensive player there is potential there but he has grown as a reputation as a freelancing player where he likes to be a playmaker three-point shooting big man a more of a point center brooke lopez ish type player if you will and i think that can crater the young players development it can also crater just cleveland's overall success as a team and if they don't trade him if he becomes a problem this will be the worst case scenario for cleveland and it's already a pretty dire situation heading in for the cavaliers but it it all really does hinge on whether or not what andre drummond they get and he is in a contract year though so maybe they will that won't happen but chris how will the Cavs be different offensively and defensively than they were last season this is actually a really good question because they are going to be dramatically different i think on both ends of the court yeah, I, I would say this, though. I think it's too early for us to know exactly what the scheme is going to look like. We're recording this before we've seen preseason games or, or anything of that ilk. So I don't think we know exactly what JB's scheme is going to be on either end of the floor. My my guess, just from t- we talked to him and, and just poking around it a little bit, is I do think that the Cavs are going to be a better organized team. They're going to be better suited to what this team actually can do and what the, the strengths of these young guys are and what they're not. Um, one of the things that I thought really stood out for him when we talked to him and also when we talked to Lindsey Gottlieb, the Cavs assistant coach, was that they talked about wanting to get sets in during the mini camp in the bubble workouts and get them on tape and be able to evaluate what worked and what didn't. Now, there's obviously some caveats to that because Andre Drummond was not there. Isaac Okoro had not been picked yet. Uh, that's the Cavs' top pick this year in case you aren't familiar. You know, the Kevin Love wasn't there the whole time, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that lays at least a good foundation for where the Cavs are headed in that specific sense. I do not think that Bickerstaff is going to be John Beeline, where he's not he's going to be so rigid that it hurts the team. I, I think JB, one of his biggest strengths is relating to players and being able to kind of guide them in the way that is necessary for, for the fit of the players and not so much his 
ideology. I think that's a really good change and a good trait for a head coach to have. Um, Evan, in your mind, who is the player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, either positively or negatively? It's going to be Darius Garland, because like I said, we don't really know what type of player Darius Garland really is at this point. He, For our regular listeners, uh, I've preached so many times at this point that Darius Garland is a player that's shown nothing but flashes of potential, but he's never been able to fully put those flashes together into something sustainable or tangible in terms of a player because of injuries. And by all accounts, he's fully healthy at this point, and he looks like he's locked in and ready to go, and there's a lot of noise coming out of independence with the Cavs practice and in Cleveland where they had their mini camp bubble uh, that he was the best player by and far and a lot of players and coaches were just super impressed with what he brought so if we're able to get a fully healthy Darius Garland we're able to get a better idea of what he is but and I say this as delicately as possible if we get the same Darius Garland that we got last season now I'm ready to panic about him as a player. He's the biggest boomer bust prospect on the Cavaliers where I am still very uncertain on what he, who, what kind of player he's going to be. And Chris, I know if I said a lot of this hinges on Garland, a lot of this hinges on Drummond, but how do you think this season is going to end up for the Cavaliers? I, I think the, the it's whether it's the best case or worst, because I think the, the ultimate and end result is the same. It'll be about the journey more than the end result, but I do think this season is going to end with this team missing the playoffs, missing the playing tournament. But I do think, in my mind, they're going to be overall more competitive and less terrible than they were last year. I think this is still a team looking forward. Um, I think t- uh, 2020 fun is kind of going to be the vibe for this team, and you're looking next year to get a Cade Cunningham, an Evan Mobley, a Jalen Green, one of these top prospects to kind of continue building what is going on here. So I think 2020 this season is a step forward for Cleveland. You're going to find that identity under JB and figure out what this ro- what the key piece on the roster are, but they're still going to be growing pains, and it's going to be another year at least before the Cavs are kind of actually back into that playoff hunt. But mm-hmm. uh, find us on Twitter, at LockdownCavs. I'm on Twitter at Rights. Evan is an am not Evan, and check us out wherever you get podcasts. And finally, we have the Rejecting the Screen podcast. They are taking a look into the future and predicting the headlines for each division. Adam, Noah. What's the good news? Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Koslov, Adam Stanko, our central division headlines. And I think it's all about the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's going to be about the Milwaukee Bucks during the regular season. This is the headline. It doesn't matter yet. Just going back to last season with the Milwaukee Bucks. They had that 18-game winning streak early in the season when they were 24-3. and They ended up losing to Dallas to stop that streak in a game where Luka didn't play and the Mavs hit 16 threes and Giannis went nuts. Giannis's numbers that night, he had 48 and 14, 18 of 31 from the floor. He was one of six from three. And that's what stopped the Bucks' 18 game winning streak. But when you fast forward through the regular season and then get into the bubble and we cautioned long before the bubble even started, what not to take away from the bubble. So what do you think of the Bucs? In the regular season, in the bubble, they didn't have back-to-back wins. Their only set of back-to-back wins in the bubble came when they played the Orlando Magic in the playoffs, lost game one, and then won four straight, and then they end up losing to the Heat 4-1. So what will matter with the Milwaukee Bucks during the regular season? Nothing. This is not a Giannis headline. It's a Milwaukee Bucks headline. It doesn't matter yet. For me, the headline in the Central is the more things change— more they stay the same. No, you talk about the Bucks. 
they add Drew Holiday to a team that was already tops in the league in points per game and number one in defensive rating. Now you add a guy who is a phenom on both sides of the ball. Plus, it might be addition by subtraction by losing Eric Bledsoe, 39% from the field, 25% from three in the playoffs. So adding Drew Holiday, but also losing Drew Bledsoe, I think team actually gets a little bit better, shores up some of the issues you just mentioned. The Pacers, again, going to be underdogs who impress. We're finally getting to see now that Brogdon Oladipo backcourt, plus Warren Sabonis, Turner up front. Oladipo, 36 games two years ago, just 19 games last season. Finally, we'll see a healthy Oladipo. The Bulls, they couldn't score last year. I'm excited to see what this group can do as that young core gets a little bit older. But again, same expectations for Chicago. Cavs, sort of same deal. What is this team? Weird collection of talent. The backcourt can score some, doesn't defend anybody. They add Isaac Kokoro in the draft, so maybe him and Andre Drummond change some of the defensive culture, and they need to, but Kevin Love doesn't guard anyone. So you have this weird offensive or defensive specialist all over the court. That's going to be odd. So I sort of have the same expectations to what the Cavs are this season. And then, of course, in Detroit, complete makeover. We know about that. You think about all the additions through the draft. Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey. Love some of the talent they added there. Musa comes to the team. DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee. I, I don't know who they are, but I sort of have the same expectations for the Pistons. So the more things change in the Central, the more they stay the same. Thank you so much for listening. We've got previews on all 30 NBA teams coming soon or on the feed right now, depending on when you are listening. Subscribe to Locked On NBA and your favorite team podcast if you haven't already. Stay safe, stay warm, enjoy the NBA season, everybody. Everybody.